Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Weak and Foolish Movie Podcast. I am your host today, Job Eng, and with me as always is... Mike Tang. Mike Tang, and returning by popular demand to once again bring his deep well of insight, our very good friend, Derek Brover. Derek, say hello. Oh, thanks for having me again, guys. Awesome. Today, we are going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984, a brand new movie that debuted on HBO Max and in some theaters on Christmas Day. We're going to discuss whether this was a great Christmas gift or a coal that ended up in our TV stockings, a lump of coal. But before we get there, a little bit of business, actually. Our podcast is finally on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play and a host of other places. We're really excited about this. We're excited for this to this podcast to be accessible in more ways than just YouTube. So look us up, uh, share us, listen in the car, uh, have fun. And we also want to make this a bigger conversation than just us talking. So let us know what you think of our episodes. You can always hit us up on social media, uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe if you haven't already. And we appreciate the five of you who are regularly listening to us. Thanks so much. Um, but we'd love to make this more than five. So share us around. Now that that's out of the way, gentlemen, my wonderful men, let's talk about Wonder Woman 1984. In this portion, we're going to keep it spoiler free, of course. And then we will discuss all the story details afterwards. But for now, I'd like to start off by asking you guys, on a scale of wonderful to not wonderful, how did you like this movie? Mike, why don't you start us off? I'd say I'm in the middle of that, <laughs> between wonderful and not wonderful. Um, I, I really wanted to like this movie. I, I thought the first Wonder Woman was awesome. It was one of the bright spots in the DCEU. And I felt like the trailers for this movie looked awesome. Like it was, it was really exciting. They had really good music, uh, and seeing Wonder Woman facing off against Cheetah. I, I mean, I, I know of Cheetah from like the cartoons, but I don't know too much about her. But you know, she appeared a lot throughout the the animated series. So, yeah, I, I was looking forward to this one. And I, I, I think the movie starts off with a bang. Uh, the opening sequence is stunning. Right, two positives right off the bat. Number one, right the. Uh, Sweeping IMAX shots, those were breathtaking. Uh, even watching it at home, I was wowed. Uh, we, know, we know it's IMAX because of how the aspect ratio changes in the movie, right? Uh, it, it's the, it fills up the entire frame of your TV screen. So we know this is, it's an IMAX shot. The rest of the movie, it has a black letterbox on the top and bottom of your screen. So we know that that's not IMAX. Um, <clears throat> so in addition to the IMAX shots, the musical scored by Hans Zimmer. Wow electric right the swell in the chorus uh, as we see sweeping shots of Themyscira that was something that I felt like was missing in the first movie and it completely got me in this one and I and I felt like even in the opening action sequence there were a couple of shots where the camera camera was placed in very unique places that I thought was really cool so you know it was a fun way to start the movie and but then you know once we got to where the story was going uh, then my awe started to turn into disbelief. <laughs> and, and I got to emphasize, I'm not a DC hater, right? Like, I love Batman. Batman's my favorite fictional character. Um, and even within the DCEU, I've loved Man of Steel, Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Those were all solid movies. But this movie was just, became really disappointing really fast once it got going. Uh, I feel like the story was lifted out of a bad Saturday morning cartoon with really cartoony characters and motives. Um, Kristen Wiig's character, who I was really excited about, like I mentioned, 
for the, within the first 60 seconds of her showing up, I already felt like I've seen this character before in other superhero movies. Like, she's an overused trope. And I just rolled my eyes that we got this character again. And I'll talk more about it in the spoiler section. But, um, I, yeah, the writing in this movie just wasn't very good. It feels like a film made by committee. I'm sure there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen on this one. It's not just one person you know, who has control over this. I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, back and forth behind the scenes. You know, I don't understand why, right? Uh, we as the audience, we don't know what actually happened behind the scenes, but but I don't know, like out of all the possible storylines that we could have gotten to explore and challenge the character of Diana Prince, that they went with this story, this cartoony Saturday morning cartoon story. But, you know, credit to the main actors, uh, Gal Gadot, Pedro Pascal, uh, Kristen Wiig, Chris Pine, they did their best with really weak material. Like, I felt like they were acting their hearts out and they knew that this was like a silly story that, that they were in. Um, I, I think the action scenes are, are fun. Uh, you know, I'm never going to get tired of Wonder Woman thrashing thugs with her brawn and her lasso. Um, I think Kristen Wiig, even though her character is kind of stupid, uh, it, it, she still is a fun matchup to Gal Gadot. And... Um, so, you know, I, I'm mixed, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's not wonderful. Uh, I definitely not, not wonderful, but so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly in the center on this one. So is perfectly meh. Yeah. I, I think I'm maybe veering just a little bit slightly towards the, the wonderful side, uh, but just oh. slightly, you know, I, I, I do find that there are a lot of positives in this and I, I wouldn't mind watching it again. Uh, with my wife who hasn't seen it yet nice thanks mike uh derek was this movie wonderful or not wonderful yeah i will um let me just kind of rate it based on my experience of it um we'll start there my experience of this movie was that it was not wonderful um i am a pretty you know big dc fan but not the kind of DC fan that likes everything that they do. Um, but I also really liked the first movie and Shazam and Aquaman and Man of Steel. I thought those were all great movies. And I was also really looking forward to this and felt like we, you know, waited an agonizingly long time uh, because if it's being delayed, I thought the trailers looked great. I had some suspicions though, I think. And I just sort of set those aside, but some some problems with the story based on the trailers when, and I'm like, okay, I think I know what this movie's about. Um, and then when they showed like cheetah on the trailer, um, in full cheetah form on the trailer, I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm not, you know, there, this movie has the potential to be bad. Um, but I, I set those aside because I, I was so stoked on it. And, um, so I have some positive things too. I, I agree with you. I guess it's pretty similar. I think the music is amazing. I think there are a lot of visuals that are really, really cool. Um, there's some really, just the, the color, uh, the color of this movie, it has a certain palette and you see that even in the posters and in everything that they've, I feel like they did, they've done something kind of unique in, in what they, and it has this eighties vibe where it's kind of energetic and, and colorful. Oh, on that note, um, so I noticed there was a lot of film grain and it looked kind of like soft. The images looked softer. So I was like, man, was this shot on film? And I actually looked it up and the whole thing was shot on film to, to give it oh, that, to nice. look like it's placed in that era. I thought that was right. really cool. I loved that uh, about it. Um, and I think if you take clips from it for that reason and you put them in a trailer or in a social media ad, they look stunning. Um, when you watch it yeah. strung together as an entire movie, it has a problem. It has a lot of problems. Um, I felt like the action, um, I, I agree with, with you, Mike, that that first five minutes or so was totally stunning. And I all my expectations were being met. Like, this is going to be this is going to be an amazing movie. I thought this is going to be way better than the first one. Um, and then it, it was pretty much downhill from there after that first scene. And the action in many scenes felt off to me. 
um, without going into specifics, just the choreography made it feel clunky and not smooth, which was the opposite of what we've kind of seen from Wonder Woman, of her sliding around, um, lassoing stuff and just sort of sliding on the floor everywhere for some reason. Um, there's some scenes where the action feels like it's choreographed action, where I'm getting little bits and pieces of uh, the actor doing things, and instead of actual fighting, it just took you out of the movie. For me, the the main thing that is not wonderful is not even the concept um, of the story, which, and I, I think we should talk about this, but the reason why you feel like it's a cartoony story, I think, is because there's a fatal sort of flaw on the storytelling level. Um, and and it, it ruins the characters and it ruins the story. But I think the, the, the concept was actually could have worked. Um, so overall, I feel like I can deal with the main plot. I just think the way they executed it, um, I think for particular reasons that, that I think were, were, they were very committed to certain things. Um, I think ruins the movie. So I could watch it again, but I'm just, and I even thought about like maybe I should watch it again before we do this podcast and and I just I didn't want to. Uh, oh. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You heard it here for, for first, folks. Derek wanted to prepare better for you guys, but he decided not to. I just I couldn't bring myself to watch it again, especially when we we have Zelda: Breath of the Wild, you know. And, yeah, uh, dude, uh, I'm really surprised because uh, Rover, you're generally like super positive about like all the movies that we've we've all watched together. Um, I I feel like Job and I are, are usually the downers, but like I'm surprised that <laughs> I'm coming out of this like more positive uh, than you are. Um, I think I would rather rewatch Justice League. Oh my! Uh, oh, oh my goodness! Wow! <laughs> so because. <laughs> As 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 flawed as that movie was, I feel like on a fundamental level, I still felt like they were heroes I could cheer for, um, and I feel like this was really was not a good depiction of Wonder Woman as a as a protagonist. I was really disappointed in her, which again is coming from somebody who loved the first movie, who thinks the lead actress is just amazing. Um, you know, I I would watch her in anything. I think she's just She's just a stunning personality. She's beautiful, and everything you know that just comes out of her mouth. She she seems like some sort of goddess, right? And I'm not the only one that feels that way. She's just amazing. Yeah. And yeah, she did okay, I think, in this movie with what she had. <laughs> but uh, on the storytelling level, I feel like they they really spoiled her character in this movie. I I want to I want to <clears throat> kind of uh, to say something about Cheetah and her form. So. This was all in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, right? Uh, there's uh, in the second trailer for the movie, <laughs> she shows up with like a leopard print like jacket with like spikes on the shoulders, and she had this like punk rock like haircut and, and makeup, right? And I thought, okay, this is a really cool way of adapting the cartoon character, the comic character, <laughs> who's just like basically a straight up cheetah into like live action form. I'm like, this is a really good way to adapt it. And I, I had forgotten from the trailers that uh, that there was that CGI character at the end. So during the movie, when I saw the end where she actually transforms into a cheetah, and again, this is in the trailers, but I just I had forgotten it when I watched it. But when she turns into full cheetah, I had recently watched Cats two weeks, <laughs> like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> I knew this was where it was going. And... Dude, it just brought back the trauma of watching Cats. And I'm like, oh no, not Kristen Wiig. She's... <laughs> Yeah, like she's too good for this. Yeah, yeah. they I, I, they had, they had a really good interpretation of the cheetah character, and then they just they that's one example of how the the movie becomes too much of a cartoon. And I'm gonna I'm gonna mm -hmm. talk about suspension of disbelief uh, in spoilers, so we can go a little bit yeah. more in detail on that. But yeah, let's 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 get to that quickly, real quick. I agree with you guys on this film. Although I actually came away uh, in our in our group text, I actually said that was a great movie, and you guys thought I was kidding. Um, I actually enjoyed this film. It was not a great movie, uh, like so. It I was I was kidding, but it, it's not a good movie. But I did have a lot of fun with it. So 
it, does that make a movie good then? If you had fun, you know, what's the point of movies? It made me think. Anyway, um, I agree. the The film felt really unfocused and really strangely it patty jenkins the director of the first wonder woman did a great job i i felt like the industry was so happy with what she did um so you would think that she would get get full creative control to work on this but i agree with you guys it certainly doesn't feel like this was a singular director's vision it felt like there was a lot going on with this film and i'm wondering if it's because the sequel has to be bigger, it has to be better, or whatever it might be. So I agree it was a little strange. Um, although there were a lot of good moments, I thought Pedro Pascal's performance was really wonderful, especially coming off of, you know, his stoicism in The Mandalorian and then coming to this. It was just so refreshing. Felt yeah, he, like a he, totally he different person. He ate it up. He, he yes. Ate, like that, that, and Quite literally. And that's what I appreciate about it. Like, I mean, I'm sure they know that they're in, like, a bad movie. Like, his character is really silly. But, dude, <laughs> yes. he just goes full it on in it. Oh, my goodness. He's in a cartoon acting. I I agree with you, man. It, he, it was so delicious, I, I have to say. I thought I was just laughing and smiling the whole time. And I was just like, this guy is so sleazy. It's awesome. Uh <laughs> Of course, Gal Gadot as uh, Wonder Woman is great. Um, she's so beautiful and uh, sometimes intimidating to to see. But then when she breaks into one of her smiles, she has such a vulnerability and such a like friendliness to it that genuine. I think um, that really grounds her character. Um, but that's really all I have to say on this. Without delving into some of the story points and i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this portion so you guys want to just jump in the spoilers sounds great yep all right uh spoilers here's the little jingle thing no no you're still holding on let go (laughs) spoilers uh i'm gonna start by asking derek what was the point of this movie what was the movie trying to say you know, every movie has like a thesis or like something it's trying to tell us. What was the point of Wonder Woman 1984? Well, um, that that opening scene that we loved um, kind of set us up for it, where we get to see the the young Diana uh, compete in these Olympic type competition, and then she she cheats. She she cheats, and she is about to win. Uh, and she is stopped by, is that her her mentor? I can't remember. I think it's her aunt. Um, her, yeah, that's right. It's... And she stops her and says um, that that's not, you can't be a hero um, if you're going to lie. Um, and she says it better than that. But that, and then that sets us up for the movie, right? So, um, and then the the actual evil force of the movie is the god of lies, uh, and so, and that's where we get our two antagonists are both tapping into uh, Dolos, is that how you say it? Um, the god of lies who we never see. But uh, that is the bad, evil thing. And so she has to overcome the lies with truth. Um, and so she has the lasso of truth and she is able to uh-huh. overcome the lies with the truth and give up on trying to cheat and get her her long-lost love, Steve Trevor, back, which is what she wanted. But she decides the type of hero she's going to be, she's going to combat the lies with the truth, give up what she wants, um, because people need the truth. Everybody wants to prefer a delusion and try to be happy, but they don't understand that that comes with a jinx. And any any believing a lie, accepting a lie, always um, you pay a price. And so I I don't feel like the main point is bad, um, but yeah. So I I mean I feel like it's a little on the nose. I I, th- I think I think everybody kind of caught what the movie was about. I I think I knew what it was going to be about about ten minutes in when she. She got that message saying no hero, you know, can do this. And then the, I'd already seen the trailers, right? So I already knew what the whole movie was going to be. So I knew there was going to be a wish stone. I knew there was going to be 
uh, a bunch of, you know, I knew she was going to lose Steve Trevor at the end. Oh. So. That was in the trailer? No, I'm saying after that opening scene, I mean, I knew it even from the trailers, right? There's no way she's going to get him back, right? And then she gets him back, but she's told in the first, you know, 10 minutes as a child that she can't cheat. Mm. So I'm like, oh, so she's going to have to give him up to save the day. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Mike, do you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think just to add on to that, Patty Jenkins deliberately set this movie in 1984, not just because it's a cool era with lots of cool music and costumes, but uh, apparently it was a it was a decade of excess, according to her. Uh, I, I I remember reading like an interview with her about this. Mm. Um, but you know, despite all the excess uh, in American culture, you know, we always want more. Uh, like whatever we have isn't good enough, and that's the promise that that Wishstone and Max Lord extends to the world. Um, so wanting more and more throws the entire world into turmoil, right? Once everybody is able to have one wish and their wish is fulfilled, uh, the entire planet's in pandemonium, right? So uh, I thought, you know, in terms of like the moral of the story, I I think that's something that we can all like agree on and and get behind. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just not kind of clunky like Derek said uh, a little bit on the nose but you know uh, I don't think it's a bad message and I think it's good that you know it has something to say about that uh, compared to a movie like Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice where I know it was just trying to tear down our heroes and you know portray them as like I don't know like warmongers and you know I don't, you know or corrupt you know power corrupts but but it's referring to Superman and Batman. Like, that's not, you know, that's not a message that I would want. That's not a movie that I would want to show, like, my kids in the future. Like, I'd much rather show them this than, like, Batman versus Superman. Where I think the moral message is a little bit unclear and murky. Nice. Thanks for your thoughts, guys. Uh, I think we're, so in summary, we're saying it's a great message but the mechanics of it or the execution was a little clunky. Yeah, I mean, I I have kind of a little bit of a rant. I don't know if this is a good time for it, but it has let's to do it. With... Let's let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. Is this the storytelling thing that you were talking about earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is where I feel like there's a fatal flaw. Um, if there was anything to criticize about the first movie, at least, and maybe it's just anecdotal, but from everybody I talked to, they they say I love Wonder Woman. Except for that final battle. That was lame. Um, and part of the reason it was lame is it it seemed too easy. Uh, and the idea that the god of war was actually behind the war, uh, I think a lot of people were expecting that to not, you know, for her to be wrong. That it wasn't the god of war. That people are actually evil and fighting a war. And then at the end of Wonder Woman, you find out, no, it's actually the god of war. <laughs> who is causing this world war and she just needs to have an epic superhero movie battle with him. But this movie took it one step farther and said, you didn't like the the battle with the God of war. Okay. So we'll make it the God of lies this time, but we won't have her fight him. He just won't be in the movie. And so she will fight his agents who are all victims. And this is my biggest problem with the movie is that our two antagonists are both victims. One is uh, bullied and, you know, had a dream for a business and just, yeah, it never worked out. And he was deceitful. He lied. He lied to his kid. He lied to everybody. He lied to himself. Uh, but really, you know, he was he was mistreated as a child. And this is why he's acting this way. Um, Cheetah's character, she... She just feels like she's unfulfilled in life and she's jealous and envious and never can have what she wants. And so she um, she makes bad choices. And in fact, this is actually the problem with all of reality. When everyone's wishing on, on the Dreamstone, they're all, they're all wanting whatever they want, um, which fits with this excessive era, right, of, of the 80s, at least the way it's maybe stereotyped. And, but they all need to just renounce their wish. And if we just renounce our wish and accept the truth, then we'll all be happy. Um, And 
to me, this is is fatally flawed because in a superhero movie like this, where we want to have like this global stakes, I want actual evil. And I don't believe what I think is maybe a underlying um, conviction of the secular worldview that humanity is not evil, that we're the victims of evil, you know, victims of corrupt institutions and things gone wrong, but we ourselves are not actually evil. And so these sort of evil gods kind of bring out the worst in us and we make bad choices because we're victims. Uh, and, and it's because of that, I think that we, we end up with sort of weak, not believable antagonists. And to me, that then brings down Wonder Woman because now her personal struggle with do I give up Steve Trevor or not um, seems weak to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed weak to me where I'm like, she was so principled. She was so, she had so much honor um, in everything we've seen from her. And now all of a sudden she's like, I've never been happy because Steve Trevor died like 40 years ago. And so I've, I've you know, I'm just, I'm never going to be happy. And yeah, I'll like save some kids in malls sometimes, but it basically sucks because I loved a guy 40 years ago. Oh, and if, you know, I'll, I'll take him back and destroy the world. Yeah, that'll be cool. Like, I'm like, you, you kind of stink, Wonder Woman. Like, I, I understand her struggling and then prevailing at the end, but it seemed not big enough stakes. Mm-hmm. So you bring down the stakes of the, the antagonist, and then it ends up bringing down the value of, of our hero. And so what I'm left with is something that feels cartoony because I never believe Max Lord is, is evil. Like, at the end of the movie, he... His kid is like, I love you. You don't have to be all those things. I love you because you're my dad. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, oh, I don't have to like rule the world for my son to love me? I don't have to be a billionaire? Like, so if his, his son had just been more outspoken with his love for his father, his father wouldn't have done this. See, he's just a victim. And that's like, kind of what they're trying to say, right? It's like, well, it's not the kid's fault. But yeah, that's what they're yeah. trying to say. And, and that's that's weak. Um, I would I would have been more impressed with, you know, a Max Lord who actually has is is corrupt enough to to want to do this, not who was bullied as a kid and just wants to impress his son. Um, we feel bad for these villains. We don't hate them, you know. And so that kind of makes a poor superhero movie I, I hate to draw comparisons to others and to marvel but like when you defeat thanos you're pretty stoked right like when the avengers defeat thanos because he's a great evil um max lord you're like dude somebody give this guy a hug yeah you know that's not a good villain so to me that was the fatal flaw of this movie was um we want to keep this theme from the first one mankind's not evil it's these gods that are bringing out evil um and so yes we have war and we have greed and and deception and these are problems in humanity uh but but someone like wonder woman will guide us to realize that we don't need to embrace the deception it's not us that's the problem uh and that to me i think is unbelievable not just because it's it's a secular worldview but because it's not true and so we don't believe it i don't think we we buy that oh Everyone who's corrupt is just a victim. Um, certainly no one this year believes that. Yeah. Right? Where, where people have been arguing vehemently about actual good and evil, right? Whatever side people are on, whatever they're angry about, it's about real good and evil. And so when you have this movie to end the year to basically say all our problems, it's not our fault. We're just victims. That, that was a... Anyway yeah i that this was uh i'm i just want to say i'm just so glad we asked eric to come on to this podcast because yeah that was that was <laughs> awesome i i mean those are definitely terms that i did not consider uh when i was yeah. thinking about this film oh yes i agree derek's awesome <laughs> i mean it, like if you guys compare it to other dc movies uh like let's say take shazam or aquaman the villains are not perfect but they're more believable, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if there was anything that this film was trying to say, which we all kind of agreed there was a good message somewhere within this film. 
and I think like you're right that's the flaw of the first one too it it would have been really compelling for this goddess uh, to come into quote-unquote the real world and find that the god of war lives on but in the hearts of people and it's like it's because humans have agency and have choice like to do this and they're not being influenced externally it's it's almost like a, a human nature sort of thing only to rip the rug from under us and say hey look like it's actually this god that's influencing it all and then to do the same thing here i i agree it kind of undercuts the whole point it's like if your point is that humans have great capacity for evil or or bad but they can make this choice to be better um if it's if if your main villain is a god that's just kind of like able to influence people's hearts and minds then it kind of changes the whole feel of what you're going for you know and it seems like that's present it's just not all the way there because there's it doesn't seem like there's really responsibility taken yeah Uh, and i think that's in the first one too i mean this is a world war like are we not responsible for our choices and for this destruction and mass death and 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 then in the second movie i feel like it's just so in your face where the whole world is destroying itself by wishing for things and then they just need to hear wonder woman's voice and renounce their wish and all that excess and greed and lies and deception will just abandon it it will um and and i you know mike you talked i think it's really interesting you talked about suspending disbelief and this feeling cartoony because you liked aquaman right yeah i mean if you think about what you're looking at he's riding on a you know dolphin and stuff yeah seahorse like it is it is a straight up like cartoon it's it's total comic book um but the stakes felt bigger and more believable because you know we we hated the villain he was jealous he had an actual motive we bought and we wanted to see him win um same thing with shazam right i mean it's it's totally a very comic booky premise i mean if wonder woman has a marvel counterpart counterpart it's it's thor right and in a similar way we see mythical divine characters come to life and um i just think it's any superhero movie that starts with the premise that we don't want to have villains that are actually evil we want them to be victims i think that movie's gonna it's gonna suck so looks really pretty but for me, that was the film. fatal flaw. That was the fatal flaw for me. Can you think of another example, like another superhero movie or just another movie where uh, the villains are kind of portrayed in this way, where they're not pure evil, they're, they're victims? Uh, yeah. Star Wars The Force Awakens? Kylo Ren, he's a victim because his parents didn't love him and he became evil and... Maybe not. Well, I mean... Not quite the same. We still have real evil, though. Snoke, right? right? Snoke in the dark side. Yeah, right. but I mean, Snoke is a puppet, right? Oh, We're about to become a Star Wars podcast again. Sorry. <laughs> but, but I mean, isn't that part of the, the, the conversation with... When you are talking about Star Wars, with the original trilogy versus the prequel trilogy, right? Where, like, there's actual evil, and then we go back and we tell the prequel trilogy, and we just say... See, but Vader's just a, Anakin's just a victim. There you go. Um, and, you know, without totally hating on the prequel trilogy, I think it makes them inferior by that alone, right? Because it's part of the sort of mythic quality of Star Wars of having real good and evil in the universe. Mm. Um, it makes Tolkien stories work, right? And you compare something like that where there's this real big bad evil um to something like this where max lord is just a joke it's a mandalorian you guys (laughs) hey you know i think actually this plays into a a wider cultural move away from like you know when when star wars and came out in the 70s and i think like when even back when 
we were all growing up, it did feel a lot more like the world was, there was this black and white to it. There's good and there's evil. There is the middle ground, of course, where people live. But the, the truth is, there is evil. There's true evil in the world. And it's because of sin, right? And then there's there's good. Um, there's been this move towards the gray, towards the like understandable, relatable villains, the ones who couldn't help it. They had they had to become evil because of what happened to them, and I think that plays into wider a wider cultural thing where it does feel like nowadays we're we're saying we are we have victims of a system right and and i don't want to go too deep into that but that's kind of where i think that that seeps into art right like the real world does always inform art so yeah oh absolutely and i think that you can have a compelling villain who you feel pity for and you see that they have a complex backstory um you know green goblin hates peter parker because you know he thinks he killed his father and stuff and it's a misunderstanding but he's still believable as a as a bad guy he's not pathetic there's something about having wonder woman who is this superman like level status character um and she looks pathetic because she can't defeat you know i mean part of that might be because through most of the movie her powers were weakened she's just hobbling around um and maybe the length of the movie to me contributed to that too where there's this like sagging part of the middle where like we hardly see wonder woman and when we do see her she's just losing because she stinks and like she's just her she's losing her powers because she because she's really into having her boyfriend back in another man's body like that was weird there's a really weird, like morally questionable, rapey thing going on there, where she, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she just like slept with like a dude who's had his body taken over by another man's soul because of your wish, and like it's just glossed over. I want to shift gears into more of that. Um, that was strange. I will say, uh, one more thing. Another movie that this reminds me of is Iron Man Three. Um, where Guy Pierce's character, Aldridge Killian, he's just kind of a nerd that um, Tony Stark rejected back in the day. And then there's also the Mandarin who actually wasn't, he was just a puppet. And it was just such a anticlimactic way That's right. to That's handle right. a villain. And it felt weird the whole time. And I think this film kind of achieves the same weirdness. It's like, there aren't any villains really, but they they are but they're not, you know, because Gal Gadot is so much taller and prettier than me. That's why I'm going to go evil, you know, like that's it's not compelling. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's shift gears here because I had a question about the mechanics of the wish giving. Um, first of all, what do you guys think? Did when 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 the wish stone granted a wish, did it shift like? something did it move the world into a different timeline or something because it changes someone's heart and mind right and it also changes like timing and such so uh what happened there also what so the guy whose body got taken over by chris pine i mean um what's his name steve trevor steve trevor steve trevor like did he just black out for 60 hours or something like what? He seemed like he was doing okay at the end, but... Yeah, he seemed all right. Maybe he just had a bad dream or something. And then when, when you know, we're in spoilers, when people start to renounce their wish, stuff starts to reverse, right? What happens to, like, okay, there's, like, 60 billion people in the world, maybe? What happens to, like, the 3 billion that decide, no, I'm not going to do this? But Wonder Woman spoke to them, so when you hear Gal Gadot's voice, it <laughs> immediately compels you. Irresistible yeah, I mean, grace. <laughs> and we, you, you talk about suspending disbelief that, okay, we're going to contact everybody using the, you know, this broadcast. Um, that seemed like such a cheap way to make this like a global 
thing. And I, and I feel like such a wasted opportunity. The idea with reality being altered, uh, I feel like it's such a cool opportunity to have something really creepy and meaningful. Um, the part where everybody's fighting in the street and she's limping around and people are like holding up the end of the world is here signs and like cops are beating people up and you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I feel like that was almost amazing. Like that type of thing where reality is being destroyed, I feel like could be something really, really cool. Um, and instead we're led to the a fight at the TV studio with the CGI cheetah. and <laughs> Which ended so lamely too. I mean, um, don't do this. And then, okay, I guess I'm going to have to drown you. So here's one example of like something that I example of Max Lord in the comics that I, I was familiar with. There's a comic called Identity Crisis. It's pretty messed up. But um, in that story, Max Lord uses his powers of persuasion because he does have superpowers in the comics. Usually in most oh. iterations of him, he can do this similar thing, like but not because of the Dreamstone, but because of other reasons. Mm. And he finally basically takes over Superman. And. Um, in the climactic moment, Wonder Woman has him with her lasso of truth and says, what will it take to remove your control over Superman? And he says, because he has to speak the truth, he says, you'd have to kill me. And she just snaps his neck and kills him. Whew. And it's and then that moment was taken and, and broadcast to the world. So everyone sees that Wonder Woman is a murderer. And it was like a big plot point. Um, Ooh, interesting. But I'm like, just... I'm not saying they should have made that into a film because all the children, you know, with her snapping someone's neck. But um, but the idea of like him taking over Superman, like you hated him. He was evil. And this they, they completely altered his character. And, and as far as I know, every iteration of his character, he was some sort of um, criminal mastermind who wanted to use the Justice League or do something evil and take over the world or control everything or destroys all superheroes. And it, it was in this movie that they decided to make him, you know, just a pathetic dude. So, uh, speaking of pathetic, um, Kristen Wiig's character, uh, Barbara, she's basically Jamie Foxx's Electro from The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. And Jim Carrey's Riddler from Batman Forever, <laughs> right? It's it's, and I guess you know the way you're describing Max Lord, you know what he is in the comics compared to what he is in this movie. I mean, he's essentially kind of like that that trope, right? Just a loser, uh, with you know, a, in Barbara's case, she's a nerdy loser with glasses. No one likes her. She's obsessed with the main character. Wants to be like the main character. This is just like Electro and and Riddler, right? Um. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just funny that they they just they not only cop took that trope and used it in this film, but they used it twice. <laughs> That's right. Use it twice poorly. Like, yes. And, and so it, it makes it feel like something really unsatisfying that that's what she needs to overcome. Um, the greatest Wonder Woman scene in any movie that that this character has been in is when she is going across the battlefield, right? In Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, in no man's land in no man's land like she's she's bringing the like she's her goodness and her power to 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 save victims and do and defeat evil in a way that we can't and she has that that superman like thing going on where hey we want a savior like we want someone to do good and and help us um and this movie to me fails to do that at any point where I really, you know, at the end, she saves us from lies. And the last, one of the last lines where she says something like, so many things, the things. <laughs> Balloons. It's like everything's everything's beautiful or something like that, right? right. Life is beautiful, yeah. So many things. It, it just, how vague that felt. It just felt like this watered down, you I know. Thing. Yeah, I agree. Like, I was, I, I felt like, in the script, it literally was like, insert heartwarming phrase here. And 
that's the best they could come up with. And uh, I, I left with that feeling like, yeah, so many things were confusing about your motivations <laughs> in this movie. Um, uh, can, can we talk about the invisible jet? Oh, yeah. I know that's a thing in the comics and the cartoon. Like, that's Wonder Woman's vehicle. Even though she flies, she has, like, a jet. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, in this movie, the way that it's introduced, I was so shocked. Uh, it's it's introduced in the same way that Katana was introduced in Suicide Squad. <laughs> where it's like something just appears in the plot. And then, hey, oh, by the way, this is... This is uh, the thing that I was taught uh, on how to make things invisible. And like, there's nothing yes. there's nothing setting that up, right? There's nothing setting up this power, like this ability to build uh, invisibility. It's just dropped into the movie from thin air. And, you know, and then when she turns the entire jet invisible, she does this thing with her, with her hands. I'm like, what? She has that power? <laughs> I'm like, like, and when she does turn the jet invisible, I was thinking... Why Why couldn't she just turn herself invisible and then she wouldn't have to destroy all these security cameras and malls when she's, like, saving people? Because she has to have Steve with her. She's not going to carry him. <laughs> I, I, you know, I agree. Like, what if what if they had introduced that in her trials at the beginning, in the opening sequence where, like, right. she ran into something where yeah, sure. she had to keep make herself invisible and she tried and maybe couldn't quite get it but it worked for a little bit i think that would have like made that moment more meaningful or it would have earned it more yeah i mean the visuals of them in the jet with like the fireworks exploding over them that they they use that <laughs> that in the trailer it's a really cool shot um but yeah ultimately i was yeah i was like i get it's an easter egg for for comics you know comic fans but zero setup like we, we we were never told that you could you were working on this <laughs> she's like oh yeah i forgot to mention i've been working on something um making things invisible power and well, they have you've functional been... <laughs> fighter jets at the smithsonian yeah e- even that like who's she fighting at that point who is she running away from she just stole a jet so you know, and, like and she she had a key card so she could get in. Like it looked like, oh, you know, this I own this place. Like you pick pick whatever plane that you want. Like I guess she has access because she's a a researcher for the Smithsonian. Yeah, <laughs> but that you would think you'd require like high level government access to access the fighter jets in the backyard of the museum. It, but the, it had it, gasoline in it too. Yes, it was, it was ready, ready to, to go. go. Yeah. yeah, but there's just like zero stakes, right? So she learns how to use a new superpower because the she U.S. Can. government is shooting down somebody who just stole a plane. Like, yeah, there's the stakes are just all wrong. Yeah. Um, can yeah. I? So, Derek, I, I know you're more familiar with the comics than either of us. So, um, I mean, Wonder Woman flies uh, in the comics and, and cartoons, right? Yeah. So I'm just She's like uh, a female Superman, pretty much. Okay, yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah. when she when she learns how to fly in this, uh I had to like think really hard, like, oh man, have I seen her fly I mean it's been it's been a while since I have watched the cartoons or, or I've never read the comics, so yeah, I wasn't familiar with that. Um but that scene where she learns how to fly, uh it looks like she's so close to where Max Lord and Barbara flew to. But then, like halfway there, she goes back to her apartment to get her golden armor. <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait, you're like in the middle of the Atlantic or something in the islands? And how did?" And she just drops down, and then she goes to her apartment. <laughs> like, Maybe she can teleport too, and we just didn't know. <laughs> She's very. It was fast. another power. She's very she fast. Still... Yeah, all the flying in this movie is it's, it's off. And, and that yeah. that to me is a similar thing where it's like. Okay, we want to do. We want to move Wonder Woman forward. We want her to use the lasso a lot. We want her to fly. We want her to have an invisible jet, um, but like with no stakes, right? Like right. she's just. I mean, I guess you, you worked on that a little bit. Like, hey, Steve, he loved to fly, so now I can learn how to fly. But yeah. she could have just jacked another jet, you know. 
Yeah. It was really, it, it was, it felt like, you know, we've, we found out recently that Patty Jenkins is directing Rogue Squadron, which is a movie about Star Wars pilots. And in the teaser trailer, she mentioned that her dad was a fighter pilot and she's always wanted to make a movie about pilots. So this literally, this jet sequence literally felt like I'm making a movie about pi- a, a pilot. And that was literally the only reason why there had to be a jet in there. And I mean, it, it was great. I mean, knowing that she loves pilots, it was a great little sequence until you started to think wait she just stole a jet with with gas in it and with enough gas to go from america to the middle east in one go that's a long journey do do you guys remember the scene in shazam and it was ruined it was spoiled on the trailer a little bit but it's i think one of the best moments of that movie when he finally is able to fly and he jumps off the building and shouts Shazam in midair and soars oh, off. Right. Yeah. It's at it's like a night shot, right? At nighttime. Yeah. It's like the yeah. climate. Yeah, that was awesome. It's awesome. And, and like we saw him trying to learn how to fly earlier right. and he couldn't do it. And he was totally self serving, but now he, he's going to save the day, he jumps off the building, says Shazam, and he can fly. Um the stakes were big at that point and it so it worked for us, like seeing him developed powers was was really exciting i mean they've done this something similar in so many superhero movies right when the when the hero mm-hmm. can finally do what what we know they're gonna do um and so i think that's what they were going for here but because the stakes feel low and, and just poor um it's just like as a quick method of transportation she's <laughs> she's now flying but um it's not she in didn't some fly battle in the last one did she no. She no, this is the first time. She I mean, jumps big. She okay, so in terms of okay, <laughs> since we're on the topic of transportation, she does some things in this movie that took me out of it. Like I said, you know, suspension of disbelief, like but yes. At this point it just it it crosses a line that the movie and the previous movie had it already kind of established, right? Like it, it's fairly realistic, like she can lasso off swing off objects and buildings and she can hit people with her lasso deflect bullets with it right the previous movie already established all that but in this one uh steve trevor shoots a missile and she lassos the missile so that it can pull her forward i think just visually it just looks so dumb (laughs) it's like something my son would watch um (laughs) oh my god and then, uh, you know, she lassos an airplane that's in the clouds to pull her up. I'm like, how does she even see the airplane? Like, it's so, like, it's already in the clouds. It's like 3,000 feet in the air. I mean, Brover, does, he, does she have, like, supervision? I, I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> she has really good glasses. Remember she wore glasses in the last one? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. she, I guess she's using <laughs> contacts now. Yeah, I, she's, uh, she's using contacts. She got LASIK in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> all right we uh, just we need to see her like we need to see some build up to that yes right? like right. um yeah and, and we need those to be like really big moments you can't just have her just lassoing lightning just you know here and there like when before she couldn't do any of this stuff yeah I, uh dude the best though the best part the best mode of transportation in this movie was her lassoing a lightning bolt Yes, swinging from lightning bolt to lightning bolt. Uh, yeah, and and again, if like, like in Thor Ragnarok, when he is able to truly like harness the power of lightning and thunder, um, it felt like it was earned. You guys right. know what I'm talking about, right? When he gets like yeah. all that power, um, here it's like, well, earlier I was. <laughs> I was making an invisible jet, but now I'm lassoing on lightning yeah. and lassoing planes and missiles. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like visually it just feels off where it's like we get shots of her when we know she's acting and then we get like distant CGI shots and you're trying to put them together to make it feel natural, but it didn't feel natural for mm-hmm. me. That started with the mall scene yeah, where mm-hmm. she's like tossing a girl into like slowly sliding into like a big stuffed animal and like winking at her. 
um i was like the action in that mall scene at the beginning felt weird and clunky even the heist too them robbing that jewelry store and then like like as they're trying to get away people people are like realizing that that they're like criminals and then he one of the criminals takes a girl a little girl and dangles her over the balcony like i'm just right uh, like and why like, yeah, why does well, he do that are, are you trying to get away are you trying to like i don't understand what the purpose of that is and they're really clear to show the other criminals say no don't yeah. do this right right so see there's nobody evil here yeah there's no victims it's yeah. just people who need things and they're misunderstood and they're they're just doing a little looting you know um and wonder woman like this is her full-time job now is sliding around in malls stopping (laughs) (laughs) you know people with bad childhoods who are stealing things and uh, oh man you know instead of like stopping world wars i'm like yeah uh you know i I am um we've been ragging on the movie for a while uh i kind of want to say something positive about it uh kind of want to circle back to the music um i just love how hans zimmer Hans Zimmer was the one who composed the Wonder Woman score in when she was first introduced in Batman vs Superman, and I don't know if he composed the music in the second in the in the first Wonder Woman movie. I don't think she, I don't think he did, but I think it was awesome that he came back for the second film, and he took like threads of the original theme song for Wonder Woman and expanded it. Like you yes. still hear the dun 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 dun, but then he adds all this other stuff to it uh, that just makes it sound so much more positive and, and bright and hopeful. Um, I just loved that that touch uh, from the music. Um, nice. There's actually two instances. Uh, I mean, these are just some interesting tidbits that, that I noticed while watching it. Uh, there's actually two instances where they used music from other movies. Uh, when Wonder Woman is learning how to fly for the first time, that score is actually from uh, the sci-fi film called Sunshine. Have you guys seen oh. it? Oh, yeah, did yeah, not know that. Yeah, with uh, Chris Evans, and Michelle Yeoh. Um, yeah, so that uh, yeah, that score was from that movie. And uh, there's that scene where Wonder Woman's trying to persuade Max Lord to take back his wish. Uh, the score from that scene is actually from the opening scene from Batman vs Superman where uh, Bruce Wayne's parents are getting killed. Um, So I thought at that moment when that score came in, I thought that Max Lord was somehow going to tie into BBS or like to Thomas Wayne or something. That'll be in the Snyder Cut. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, the timeline works, right? This is in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Wayne's... I mean, Bruce Wayne's alive, so... Mm. I will say I was waiting for the electric guitar part of that theme to finally come on. And when it did, I, I pumped my fist in the air, like out of actual excitement. I was so stoked. You it's know, a great like ref. Yeah. There were so many times when it was like, doom, 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 doom. And then I was like, oh, they're, they're going to do it. And then they didn't. It was like that was the most suspenseful part of this movie was waiting for the, the theme to kick in. You know, it's so. sad. I, I thought the music was so good and I was waiting for that, too. And when it did come in, I. I loved it, and I remember, like... In but it's a- this movie? <laughs> well, after the movie, April said, like, man, we never really got that theme. Love that, like, guitar riff. And I was like, what are you talking about? They played it. She's like, really? I didn't hear it. And <laughs> It I think was pretty she- low in the mix. It, it was lower in the mix than it. It wasn't as, like, as loud as it was before. But still, I think she was just distracted by what she was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah. Some positives for this film that I, I I take away from it and that ultimately helped me enjoy it is um, I did enjoy the campiness of how some of it got portrayed. So, um, again, I thought Max Lord, even though the the structure of the story around him was pretty abominable, I thought his performance was so good and um, I actually believed the pain he was going through. Um, because Pedro Pascal just acted it so well. And a- another great moment was when uh, Wonder Woman, Diana, had to let go of Steve, uh, even though she had made the reprehensible decision to bring him back in the first place. Um, her saying, I need to let, uh, like, deciding I got to let you go. And that goodbye actually touched me a lot. 
and I thought it was a effective moment. And I think that just credit that's just credit to the actors for acting even despite the script. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think there was really a bad performance. No, not at all. Um, when when she gets Steve Trevor in the first place, and she, I feel like that scene was as was actually pretty effective. We just needed some exposition or something afterwards. Um, yeah. But when, you know, she meets him and this other dude turns into him, I thought that was actually a really cool scene, the way they shot that and it's sort of spinning mm-hmm. around. Um, my problem with it was just afterwards, it was just assumed that they'd had a conversation about it. Right. And because we knew what had happened at that point, but um, she didn't seem to have any moral qualms with it to begin with. And that was weird. Uh, but then when she did leave him behind, it's not just the parting, but she gets her powers back right away and she starts running faster and faster. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Like, yes, I agree. Seeing her get her powers back. It just, it went to like 11 too quick when she's flying and everything, but but it was her cool running fast see. was cool. Yeah, that part. And I think like she, there was a close up of her face that sticks with me where she, it looked like she was in pain, like you know, because of how difficult that decision was. Um, but ultimately catharsis for, because she could fly. Um, so like we're, we're nearing the end of this. Any last thoughts? Do, do you guys have thoughts on that mid credit scene that was there? Well, I actually wanted to ask you guys. Um, I mean, we mentioned before that Wonder Woman three was announced Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins, uh, were, they were coming back. Uh, I was wondering what, what do you guys want to see in a Wonder Woman three? Mm. Boy, do we want another one. I, I think, I think it could survive. Uh, franchise could can continue, and um, I want to see a villain worthy of her. I think that's what I want. Mm. That's that's my wish. Renounce your wish, Derek. Well, what is that wish going to take from you? I mean, you know, Cheetah is still alive at the end. So, I mean, hopefully they bring her back and they don't CGI her. And she's, she's alive? Actually, yeah, she was just sitting there looking at the sunset, right? Or sunrise. She she I, wasn't killed at the end. Didn't they electrocute her? Yeah, but then she, she survived. Reverted, yeah. She, yeah, she survived. She reverted oh. back to her uh, human form. Oh, so does that mean, yeah, like did the laws of physics revert physics reverse so that she could survive? I was curious about that. Well, she was as strong as Diana, right? So when she's electrocuted, it just stuns her, but she's not like killed. She's, I mean, she's just an example of a a hero that like, like you mentioned earlier, like she was wearing her like punk rock kind of cheetah print thing. I feel like that was early nineties superhero stuff. If, if they had stuck with that, like X-Men in leather kind of thing. And I feel like we don't need to do that anymore. Like we we're, we've embraced like full superhero costumes and full villain, you know, oddity. But the opposite end of that is you have to have this like CGI cheetah Cats. reminds you of the movie Cats, which just isn't going to work visually. So I think she's a just a poor choice for a villain. You know, Max Lord could have been to me like a great villain. She she can't punch him. You know, if he's loved by everybody um he would almost be like a a lex luthor not luthor from the movies but you know like he should be like and to me that would that's what makes like a superman luthor battle interesting because he's corrupt right superman can't just go beat him up um he's hiding behind his corruption and so i feel like that might be a more interesting wonder woman villain instead of just um, trying to give her, hey, look, it's somebody who has is just as strong as she is, but but she's evil and she's she's a cheetah. Mm. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think we're we're gonna catch up to quote unquote mo- modern day for the next Wonder Woman, another jump, another twenty year jump or something? 30, 20 years, thirty. I, I think I remember them saying something about the nineties, but maybe maybe I have that mm. wrong. I don't want it to turn into like X-Men first class days of future past, you know, like each one of those movies was set in a new decade, but they look yeah, like yeah. they've aged. I, I mean, I guess it works for Wonder Woman because she doesn't age. Um, 
there, there's a line in Batman versus Superman where Superman tells Wonder Woman that Doomsday is from another world. And she responds, I've killed things from other worlds before. And I really wish we got that story mm. instead of this magic genie story. And so I, I really want to see that. Um, you know, uh, and what, one thing I really don't want to see is Steve Trevor. I thought the first movie had a great send off. It was tragic. Um, yes. But then bringing him back for this movie felt kind of tired. Uh, and, you know, Chris Pine did whatever he could, right? Um, but there were so many scenes where he was just there. And I'm like, did he really need to be in this movie? Like, you know, just he let her... He felt unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. So please don't bring him back again. Like, just let her move on. Uh, like, She doesn't even need, a, like, a love interest, right? I feel like she stands on her own perfectly as, as a character. So, um, yeah. Those are just some of my thoughts for Wonder Woman 3. I don't think they would bring him back because I feel like it would invalidate this movie. Yeah, true. All right. Uh, it was cool to see in the uh, mid credit scene the original actress who played Wonder Woman in the TV series. Um, she was Asteria, right? The one, the warrior yeah, who had the golden armor. That was cool. A little confusing. A little, is she going to be in the next one? I guess we'll i don't know i think it was just a cameo yeah just a cameo so just like the rest of this movie rather inconsequential so um yeah well if there are no other thoughts this has been our review of wonder woman 1984 and we're thankful that you stuck around to listen mike derek thank you so much and we'll catch you in the next one bye See ya. Thanks, guys. We're not done yet. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. I'm sure you are. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky!